What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rose, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Dew Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1, a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. And here's Fox creeping forward. He pulls up, 18-footer. Aaron Fox puts the Kings on top. Takes one, stakes twice, gives the belly. 35-foot three for the win. Nemanja, Bielitsa. It's we deserve this win, man. When we're done, we can go chop it up, eat, golf, whatever you want to do. For 40, 48 minutes, I ain't about them games. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse Podcast. My name is Brendan Nunez. Got Rich Ivanowski on here, as we usually do. Uh, what's going on, Rich? How you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. The Kings lost again, but this time it is a cleansing victory, just knowing that I can throw this season away. I don't have to think about them anymore. I can get fully invested into this draft and these three second-round Kings draft picks, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. we got our two draft guys on. Uh, I'm going to introduce Nate Miller first, who's going to be controlling the Sacramento Kings draft picks in this second-round mock. How are you doing today, Nate? Pretty good. Excellent. And Bryant West is joining us as well. Um, we've talked, we told everybody what teams we're all controlling. We'll run it all down a little bit more. But, Bryant, how are you feeling about this second round? Uh, the second round's probably going to be much more enjoyable than the end of that Mavericks game. Even if the Kings pick guys that none of us have heard of, it's got to be more enjoyable than that. Than the 50 free throws from Dallas? Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, um, I, it's going to be interesting to dive into these second rounders, obviously. Like we mentioned, Sacramento's got a handful of them that they're going to be working with here, and sometimes there can be a little bit of found gold in the second round. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, what is kind of your philosophy with second-round picks, Nate? What are you usually looking for, um, and how does it vary based on the position that the team is in that you're selecting for? I think in the second round you're more likely to see teams mostly draft for, for need and their philosophy. I think sometimes uh, a team might, uh, with, with the first 15 picks, there's um, some added value there. Sometimes there's an international player that um, kind of negotiates behind the scenes their way to fall from maybe the, 20, the 20s um, into, the, into the 30s so that they have basically more guaranteed money. Um, I think you're going to find... Um, that it's really important to think about roster construction. Uh, sometimes when you read a mock, uh, like like the Celtics, right? They have three first round picks. You got a second round picks. It's 
unlikely that the Celtics would want to roster all of those players next year. And so there's kind of taking that into account. I think one team to look out for uh, like that is like the Pelicans. So, you know, they have the number of picks that they have. And in, in addition to that, they have a, a strong player um, who played um, last year in Australia in uh, – his name, Marcos Lozada Silva. He was uh, it's an interesting player out of Brazil, and so he might want to come over. So I think that's kind of one odd thing to take into account. I think we mentioned a little bit yesterday that uh, just with the uh, uncertainty of next season, the uncertainty of the G League, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how teams kind of think about their budget. Are these picks going to just be sold off, or do teams – decide let's maybe spend less in free agency and allocate resources and roster spots to second-round picks, go younger. Um, maybe there's the potential that in for next season, though the G League could not happen, maybe they decide to take on those expanded rosters, and some teams out there could feel really confident that by having these younger rookies with the team more often, um, working closer with them in their fitness programs, that they can – work on their bodies, if not get immediate minutes. Um, so it, it's just a really, really wild card kind of situation. You don't really know what's going to happen. And then in addition to that, we saw a fair number of players decide to return to college. Um, so there's kind of a thinning of the talent um, definitely in the second round compared to maybe what it could have been. Yeah, a lot of variables to keep in mind. Definitely going to be a weird one. Um but, yeah, I, I will say, you know, the second round, I think, for Mox in particular, is always a bit of a crapshoot. So it wouldn't shock me if, you know, this the second round ends up breaking in a very different way than we predicted. But I think it's good to run through this exercise and, and see where we come out with it, and especially for those Kings picks, to, just to identify some guys to keep an eye on as Kings fans, and, and you can really think about it, here are the cases for certain players. But aside from that, um, anything else you want to touch on here, Brendan, before we get started? I think uh, that's all that I've got. Uh, I think you're the one kicking it off here, Rich. Pick 31. Obviously, anyone that hasn't heard the first uh, round of this, by the way, it was the last recording up on the KP feed, um, but yeah, to kick off round two, Rich, you want to make a uh, 31st pick for Dallas? Yeah, absolutely. So for Dallas, I got them a um, kind of a 2-3 defender, a wing defender, but a little bit on the smaller side in Josh Green in the first round. I think wing defense is definitely what they're looking for. Um, and I'm going to add to it here, but I'm going to go with a slightly larger wing, someone that can guard 3-4, and then these guys aren't going to overlap too much. But, um, yeah, so my choice here is going to be uh, Robert Woodard. Let make sure I get the suffix correct. The second. Robert Woodard, the second. Um, he is from Mississippi State. You know, six seven seven one wingspan. Wingspan definitely like a high effort defense guy. Um, the shot turned really good this year. He's never been known as a shooter, from my understanding. And again, with second round picks, my understanding of them is going to be less than first rounders. But 
a lot of people are high on this guy simply because he fits that role of like a six seven defender, uh, which is rare to come by. So that's going to be my pick for the Mavericks. I think that makes sense uh, in this range. Um, he's a fun player to watch. Definitely athletic. Definitely knows how to use that wingspan. Um, his three-point percentage looks pretty promising, although it is on pretty dang low volume. So it'll be really interesting to see what kind of offensive player he becomes in the NBA. Yeah, I think that archetype is uh, pretty valuable. And, you know, yeah, taking a swing on a guy uh, at this point, like you're saying, definitely need a 3 and D guys there in Dallas and two guys that could potentially fill that role. I think that's a good little haul for the first two picks of Dallas there. Um, yeah, do you have anything to add on Woodward, Nate? Yeah, Woodward, uh, you know, he's got that NBA body. And um, I do think that there's some concerns that though his – shooting percentages generally are pretty solid. The volume was low, and so there was, I think there's some general, I don't know, unease about how ready he is that um, a Mississippi State team had kind of a really, kind of an oddball roster, and they had a strong post player in Reggie Perry who kind of feasted, and so in some ways there was hope he was going to return back to school um, and see if he could take ownership of that roster and what he would become, but I think I think uh, you started looking down the list. Um, bonafide kind of wing defenders are—they're going to be running thin. So there is some some solid value in, in selecting him with that kind of pick. All right, so I'll hop back into it. I got these first two right off the top. Um, going over to Charlotte now with the 32nd pick. You know, I talked about in the first round with pick eight. I really wanted a center for them. Couldn't get one of the guys I wanted in Wiseman or a Kongwu, and it felt too high to, you know, reach for another guy. But, you know, some of the better options are still out there. There was not many centers picked, um, maybe one or two, you know, in the late first round in our mock. So I think I've got some good choices here. In particular, I think there's two really good choices, but I'm going to go with uh, the one that I think is more Charlotte's style. The the old school type of guy. It's a little bit on the small side, 6'9", but a really impressive 7'4 wingspan. I think Michael Jordan will be happy to have the hustle machine of Isaiah Stewart. Yeah, I mean, I think that Charlotte getting a big is obviously um, something they're looking for going into this draft. And Stewart, and I'm assuming the other guy was uh, might have been Tillman you were talking about there, two guys I was kind of surprised to see fall late in our draft. I think that Charlotte would be really happy to get a energy big guy like Stewart to fill a very clear hole there. Yeah, I think the buzz on him is he's also just a strong character guy and you know, they, they could still run a kind of interesting lineup, even if they're, you know, a little bit small. Um, if you play play them at center next to, um, you know, uh, Washington and Bridges, um, I think that could be a, an interesting modern uh, big man combination. There, there's some thought that he uh, has some shot that he wasn't able to display, but and unfortunately without workouts, uh, they can't see that. Teams can't see that in person, but... He's an interesting player. 
Yeah, I have Isaiah Stewart uh, at the fringe of the first round. Um, if I was a more confident in either his ability to shoot from the outside uh, or I trusted that he get, went to a uh, development staff that could help him uh, lose a little bit of the excess weight and maybe get a little faster so he wouldn't be so uh, worrisome as a uh, defender on switches, I think he'd definitely be a first-rounder. So uh, this is a, a good range, and, you know, Charlotte needs a big man, so good haul here. Yeah, and uh, Nate, are you possibly ready to make pick 33 from Minnesota? Yeah, so a little recap from uh, first round. They they picked up a Kongu and Maxi, and uh, I'm having the Minnesota Timberwolves select with the 33rd pick, uh, Tyler Bay, 6'7". Uh, forward out of uh, Colorado, known for his kind of defense at the three and the four, maybe the five position. Um, surprisingly, on the offensive side, he does draw fouls, and you know he, he's an overall good rebounder for his size. Uh, a fair shooter, albeit not on volume. Um, there are some questions on whether um, his defensive quality is more a reflection of taking chances and, and less on actual technique. Um, but I think this Minnesota roster could use someone that is a good gamble at the forward position. Um, they're they're with their current leadership, or you know, they're a team that is regarded to uh, you know take uh, analytics into account and kind of looking for diamonds in the rough. Um, and I think they just need a little bit of help on the forward depth. I I, I was thinking you know maybe a wing, uh, a Cassius Stanley, um, but I do think he's a little bit smaller. Um, and I do think there's there is some potential that Bake maybe develop and do kind of a three down the road. Um, so I think that I think he's a he's a good value at that at that pick. Yeah, great pick for Minnesota, especially if they want to continue uh, improving their defense. Uh, I watched a lot of Colorado games this year. I was always really impressed with uh, Tyler Bay's uh, defensive instincts. Uh, while I'm not quite sure he is as good a shooter as his percentages indicate, since uh, it was on a, a, not an insane volume, I definitely don't think he's going to be a forgotten man on offense. So good value here. Yeah, I'll say that Bay is an interesting guy. Like He's very polarizing, I think, among experts. Um, you know, definitely a consensus 30s, like a, you know, in the, in the 30s, maybe early 40s, among some people, some people have him late first round even. Um, but I know, you know, we're all, I think we're all fans of Sam Vecini, and I believe he just has like just a putrid grade of Tyler Bay. Like um, in one of the podcasts, I listened to him, him talk about Bay recently. I think he said he was like just completely off his board outside of his top 80, and he had to move him into that top 80 because of the intel that he knows that teams in the league actually really like him. So, um, and to be honest, I haven't watched enough of him to know if I like him or not, but it's an interesting kind of uh, polarizing pick. Yeah, I've definitely noticed the same thing and think that, you know, maybe there's a chance that a team does like him. Again, someone that kind of fills the potential of a 3 and D uh, player, which you start to thin out on those options, um, and obviously a very valuable player. And the for pick 34 here, Philadelphia uh, Bryant is on the clock. All right. Well, uh, just to recap, first round, I give Philadelphia Desmond Bain, uh, arguably 
the best shooter in the draft. Um, I definitely think Philadelphia needs more shooting help. They always need more shooting help. Um, and looking at their roster, I think that they could definitely use uh, another ball handler or two um, behind Shake Milton and Ben Simmons. Uh, so with the 34th pick, I will take Arizona freshman Nico Mannion. Um, Mannion is not the next point guard on my big board. Um, and it's kind of funny that I'm taking him for Philadelphia because of the shooting. Uh, when you actually take a look at Nico's uh, stats, he's I think he's a, people would be surprised at how low his shooting numbers are for considering his reputation. Uh, he averaged um, 14 points a game while making just under 33% of his threes, uh, but the volume is definitely there. The free throw percentage is definitely there, and he's a high-level passer. Uh, so I think in a year or two, if he irons out and just gets a whole bunch of repetition and, you know, sees a little less – uh, defensive intensity uh, playing with a second unit, I think he could bounce back and be a solid uh, rotation backup guard. Yeah, I'll throw out the one uh, random thing I was we were chatting about earlier was um, you know, he, I think Mannion might have an Italian passport and I wondered if he starts to see a slide, you know, does his agent suggest hey, you know, maybe you pick him high and we'll play in Italy and we'll pick a, you know, we'll try to sign with the team you want us to sign with, develop there and come over next season. Because I do think he needs, I think he needs a lot of work. Yeah, I definitely don't think he's the guy who's going to contribute immediately, but he's, uh, it, that's a pretty interesting idea. Um, I think it's likely that uh, NBA teams are going to value him uh, higher than a lot of draft Twitter. So it'll be interesting to see. He's a great case study for um, collegiate hype, hype versus uh, actual uh, production. Yeah, I know that I've talked about Nico in in terms of like the Kings for a while, and and it was uh, it's it's kind of it's kind of a half of a joke because. I don't know. I just think the Kings could really use like a redheaded point guard. I just feel like that's their vibe. That Sacramento would be, would be really into them. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know if uh, him coming off the board right before Sacramento's pick affects things or changes anything, changes the calculus at all for uh, how Nate is going to approach it here. But I mean, I know personally, I wouldn't have minded to see him slide a bit and be available when the Kings were picking. Well, I totally did not take Nico so that it would force Nate to take one of the point cards I prefer for Sacramento. <laughs> totally didn't do that. Interesting. Well, I'll throw. I'll go. I'll go with the 35th pick. Uh, I think the Kings will select, and, and I am a little conflicted on this, but I think for me this is value. Uh, Malachi Flynn, the point guard out of San Diego State. It's um, exactly what I wanted you to do. <laughs> I, lo- I love it. Love it. So yeah, this is this is following selecting Tyrese Halliburton. Um, I do think that um, overall building the backcourt doesn't seem really obvious, but you know we have seen this season uh, Fox dealt with some injuries. Corey Joseph, while he brings great defense, uh, might ultimately um, have created some problems with uh, kind of the bench bench initiation. And you know Flynn, I think could actually play well off of Halliburton. 
um, you know, Halliburton could free Flynn up to kind of go back to what he did as a kind of an underclassman and focus on scoring. But overall, he is a high floor, no big weakness. Um, you know, I think uh, if I'm remembering correctly, that's Mountain, Mountain West Conference, and the Kings have, have tapped that conference before. Um, you just look at him overall, like, you know, his his advanced statistics both on offense and, and defense are, are really quite quite strong. I think he weirdly got defensive player over the year uh, in the Mountain, uh, Mountain West. That surprised some. Um, he's a little small, but uh, I think he's I think he's a good value. I, you know, I, like I said, a little conflicted. I think there are some interesting other players on the board, um, but I do see that there is a possibility that one of my other favorites could be available um, at number forty-three. Um, and I, I and I think again, you know, it, they they really do need to find the kind of a good either triple A point guard or quad A, whatever, however you want to interpret it, someone that can kind of run your your minor league squad to help develop the wings that you're going to be running through there, but also eventually be their primary backup point guard, take the ball out of Buddy's hands. I, I, I love this pick. Um, I've long been a fan of getting Flynn as that backup point guard for Sacramento. I think he's a really high IQ player, um, solid across the board, definitely a very solid shooter and can get to the rim too. Uh, one Mountain West Conference Defensive Player of the Year too, uh, which is pretty impressive for a guy his size. I don't think he'll be able to have that level of defensive impact uh, at the next level, but um, definitely a uh, – a well-rounded guy who I think could be an excellent uh, backup for De'Aaron Fox for years to come. Yeah, definitely a fan of the pick myself uh, for all the reasons you guys touched on. I mean, you know I love a defensive prospect, even if uh, he's going to be limited in the positions that he's able to cover being 6'1". Um, but, yeah, 96 percentile of a pick-and-roll ball handler. Uh, like you guys said, an extremely high IQ guy. I really like this as a backup with Corey Joseph not having all too much time left on that contract. Um, and, yeah, do you have any other notes on a Malachi Flynn pick here, Rich, before we move on? No, not, nothing really to add here other than just, you know, I am a fan. I like San Diego State. I just like the, some of the guys that they produce. I, you know, I, I think he's got a great feel for the game. A little bit older, but that's kind of what you expect with a second-round point guard. Um, you know, maybe ready enough to start affecting the Kings quickly. Don't expect him, you know, there's it's enough of um, – kind of like the your expectations are low enough that you're never going to have to worry about the fit with Fox. He's just, you know, he's always going to be behind him, and there's no issue there at all if you get a guy that can give you 12 to 16 to maybe 20 minutes in certain games, certain scenarios, then you're happy. Um, who were some other – I don't you know, I don't want to expose too many, you know, guys that, you know, that Bryant or myself or Brennan could be trying to poach in the next few picks, but who are some other guys in consideration for you, Nate? Um, especially I'm just thinking about – I know that myself and Brendan did like Tillman, um, just someone that could bring a little bit of defensive IQ. Who else were you considering? Yeah, I think Tillman is a guy I would, I would like a lot, but there's something about him – well, really, it's his, his lack of high-level athleticism that um, – 
I could see the Kings having some questions on. And if, if the King if, if the Kings were looking for a backup center, I think there are some some possible selections um, that while overall maybe are not as strong players, they, they at least have a, a solid uh, level of athleticism. And then after him, I think I think Stanley, you know, Cassius Stanley, there there's some possibilities there. He is a little bit old for a freshman. Uh, that surprised me. He's uh, but he'll be a little over 21 um, when the draft occurs. Um, and then, you know, the, yeah, there's some other guys I'm waiting to see if they drop. I, I don't see, to probably answer another question that you might be thinking, I don't see an international player that I could see going this high. Um, and that, that might be surprising. I think while there are about 12 players, I think that could be among these uh, final final selections, I'm not sure that I see too many of them in the top half. Yeah, and uh, Sacramento's got another pick here at 43, but moving on to pick 36 for Philadelphia, Bryant. All right, I'm conflicted. Um, I've definitely given Philadelphia a big shooting uh, bump, uh, and there is a clear best player available on the board for me who I definitely consider a first-round player. I don't know that he fits really well with um, Philadelphia, and I don't think he could really ever play alongside uh, Joel Embiid, but uh, I I can't let the best player available far any further. So with the uh, 36th pick, the Philadelphia 76ers, like Xavier Tillman uh, from Michigan State, uh, I think he's a big defender, can handle a lot of different positions, an excellent uh, Switchable high IQ defender, uh, really, really good rebounder, uh, dominated uh, the um, conference on the glass, um, averaged three assists per game, was a fulcrum of uh, really uh, solid offense, a um, lot of uh, fun to watch, a guy with just that level of basketball instinct on both sides of the court. Uh, the clear negative here is that he is not a shooter whatsoever. Um, his free throw percentage never got above uh, 73% on a season. It was 66% this year. Um, so that's the big hesitation. But for a guy with that level of uh, defensive IQ, I, I don't think you should fall any further. And I definitely would take him over the other big men still on the board. I think it's a great pick. I kind of talked about him a little bit a second ago. But, you know, there are people out there that think Xavier Tillman will be a better NBA player than James Wiseman who I chose number one overall. Now, is that extreme? <laughs> Absolutely. Like, it's it's a little bit bananas, but that's how much IQ can matter for a big man. If you never figure out how to defend a pick and roll and can't consistently, uh, you know, make the right reads as the anchor of a defense, it's a really, really massive problem. And that's the, you know, that's the low-end concern on Wiseman and the the ceiling of Tillman is just a guy that will those won't be problems for him. Yeah, he, he kind of reminds me of at least at this point Al Horford without the shooting. Uh, you know, he's smart, really good creator at his position. Um, still, you know, needs to get his body into high level uh, NBA shape. But he might. I think there's a some people have been talking about the uh, players that do well in college without an NBA body and how there's an interesting level of potential upside once they get into an NBA program. 
Um, and maybe that would maybe that would really help him uh, on the perimeter. And you know, this Philly squad, uh, outside of Embiid and, and Horford, they don't they don't really have any great backup big men. So it back, a backup center or at least power forward definitely seemed like a priority that Philadelphia could could have uh, fixed in this draft. Yeah, I like just taking the pick uh, based on being the best guy available, even if the fit isn't amazing there. I think Philadelphia will get good value out of that early second rounder, and I think uh, Washington would be a little upset at pick 37 that Tillman went one before them. Uh, But what are you thinking 37 again, Bryant, for Washington? Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball and Basketball is finally kicking off this week, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champion, we'll go with six-time NBA champion, Robert Ory. See what they had to say and what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. I'm just going to take the best player available for uh, Washington. Um, I gave them – sorry, let me get up to my notes. This is super professional uh, podcasting right here. Um, I gave them Denny Avdia in the last round. Um, I definitely think that they could use another backup guard um, behind uh, John Wall. And who knows what Wall is going to be at in coming back from that injury. So I think the best player available is the right selection here. So with the uh, 36th pick, the Washington Wizards will select Devin Dotson from uh, Kansas, a really tough-minded player on both ends. Um, the big question mark is clearly his shooting ability. He only averaged just above 30% from deep down the season, but a really uh, smart, quick player um, who can create at a high level. Uh, he's a tiny bit small, but playing next to Bradley Beal in Spurs, I don't think that will be quite as a concern. And uh, I had a first-round grade on Dotson, so – I definitely think this is a solid pick for anybody in the early second round. Yeah, he's one of these, one of the many possible, you know, guards that might be drafted in the first, I mean, in the second round. The one stat that stood out to me was that he had 123 at-rim makes. So, though he can't shoot, he could at least get to the basket. Uh, What I think was interesting is that when he was, Flirting with drafting or entering the draft last year, he was basically considered kind of like a caretaker point guard. And then he came into this season and he became almost more of a scorer. Um, so I think there's a little bit of diversity to his game, and it, it might just depend on what really is asked of him, what, he, what he's able to achieve. Yeah, for like you're saying, Dotson has uh, some decent playmaking to him as well. But, you know, there's a lot of guys in the second round that I feel like I kind of scoring punch guards that maybe have an ability to make tough shots. Um, 
and were potentially even the guy or one of the main guys on their college team. And how do you deal with um, those guys picking them in the second round when they're going to have such a lesser role in the NBA? Um, how, how do you kind of deal with judging what is going to translate and what isn't in regards to these just scoring punch guards um, in college that are projected second rounders, Nate? Well, for me, I, he's he's not necessarily on my do not draft list, but uh, he kind of is on my do not draft list. I'm, I'm, you know, I think you need a, to show a little bit more from the perimeter. I mean, there is definitely some context to his low assist numbers. Uh, a fair number of their other starters actually had solid usage as well, and I think they, I think they really looked at him as a guy that could get them points and then help create. Um, kind of some at-rim opportunities with uh, Yudoka Azubuki. Um, but I, I'm a little – I'd be a little concerned, but I do think that, you know, John Wells, John Wells' health, we're, we're all not sure what he could produce next year, and I definitely need to be thinking about the future of the position, if not, frankly, just also the backup. I mean, I, I, their, their lead backup the last time I looked, I think, was Shabazz Napier and, and Ish Smith behind him. So – I think he's at least better than them. So could be worse. Yeah, I think it's a solid pick. He's a guy that is in a lot of people's first rounds, you know, be it like the very, very end of their first rounds. But, um, you know, if you're Washington, like, yeah, it's probably best to go best, you know, best player available too. Um, if you can get a guy that, that can give you first round value at 37 I think you definitely take that um and Bryant you're up again with the New York Knicks do you uh, have this one ready for us yes I do uh I think I'll round out a uh Knicks draft uh, I gave them Killian Hayes yesterday and then with the 27th pick I gave them Jalen Smith uh, so I think they could use a little bit of uh, wing depth so with the 38th pick, the uh, New York Knicks will select Cassius Stanley from Duke, a uh, 6'6 wing who is most well-known for his uh, insane athleticism, um, definitely a massive dunker uh, kind of guy who will thrive in an up-and-down game uh, and hopefully get some nice alley-oops from Killian Hayes. Um, I think he's a kind of guy who could definitely sneak into the first round. Um, I do worry about his... Uh, three-point shot. Uh, it was a moderate volume uh, for a guy that you're projecting as a shooting guard or a small forward, but uh, he's definitely got a solid uh, tool set in terms of physicality and athleticism, and uh, I think that alone will get him a lot of uh, attention at this spot in the draft. Yeah, I think despite not being considered a shooter or almost being considered a poor shooter, uh, and when I've lined up all of his shooting numbers, the primary ones, none of them are in the red. Um, and like you said, Aliyubs, he definitely averaged at least a dunk per game. So if anything, uh, I think he's going to be able to give them some nice uh, athleticism on the wing. Yeah, and uh, up next for me at 39 here um, with the New Orleans Pelicans. I'm in an interesting uh, situation here. They do have a lot of draft picks that they're working with this year. 
Um, earlier in the first round, I did give them Sadiq Bay at pick 13. Um, and, yeah, you know, I think that I'm going to go for a big man here that seems to be climbing a little bit as maybe a potential Zion fit down the road. Um, I'm going to take Daniel Orturu from Minnesota, who really has having a breakout sophomore year, shooting 56% from the field and 36% from three, albeit on only a little bit upwards of 50 attempts. Um, but yeah, I mean, 20 points, uh, 10 plus rebounds and two and a half blocks. It's definitely some decent athleticism from Maturo. And I think he's an intriguing center prospect that uh, I know they have Jackson Hayes, but I don't think it hurts to take another swing there um, at a guy that I feel like is one of the better ones on the board still. He was definitely productive. I mean, I think he had a, a PER of 30.7, um, one of the better post scorers. He even showed a little bit of range from three, uh, shooting about just under 36%. Um, uh, you know, I, there's buzz about him, so somebody's talking about wanting him. And there's got to be some, some of these centers. People are going to see really nice value um, at this kind of spot in the draft. Yeah, and I can uh, just move on to my pick here for Memphis at 40. Um, I think that they could use some backup guard play here. Um, and I'm going to go with a senior guard uh, with some nice shot creation to him. I'm going to go Peyton Pritchard, uh, 6'2 guard from Oregon that just really did a good job of creating for himself off the dribble. Um, a great shooter, 41% from deep uh, this season at Oregon. And I think that he's one of your uh, little bit of higher floor guys that you would hope can come in and contribute fairly early on, especially for a second rounder here. Yeah, I think that's a nice pick. I, you know, I'll tell you, I got a couple teams behind you that are looking for just a, a guard, a playmaker type. And I'm worried that they are starting to run out a little bit. Uh, it's starting to get a little bit thin that my guys, uh, you know, Later in the second, aren't going to have a lot of point guard options to choose from. But, but yeah, I, I, I've seen him play. This is one of the the uh, second round picks that I have seen play a decent amount. Uh, I've always liked Oregon, and you know, I just think that his combination of playmaking and then like the the shooting is it's a good thing. If you can, I mean, he shot over forty percent from three. Um, you know, if you can do that, you've got a chance to find a place in the league. So I think it's a nice pick. Yeah, there's really a nice run of uh, second-round creator, uh, initiator point guards in this draft. I definitely think that's a strength of this draft, especially in the second round between, uh, you know, Nicole Mannion, Malachi Flynn, who we talked about, uh, Devin Dotson, if he's there, Peyton Pritchard, you just took a couple other guys who I won't name so that we don't spoil upcoming picks. But I think this is a uh, real strength of the draft. And it might it'll be interesting because we know that there are a lot of point guards who teams are going to consider high up in the draft uh, between LaMelo, Killian Hayes, Tyrese Halliburton. It will be interesting to see if there's a team out there that has any hesitation, maybe takes a different position, even if they need a point guard because they know that they can sneak back in and snag one of these guys in the late because it's always, there's always one of these uh, early second round point guards who ends up being an 
a very solid player in the NBA. Yeah, I like the picture pick. I thought, you know, there's a part of me that's been thinking that's a kind of a perfect guy for the the Warriors to select with the pick that comes a little bit later. He he averaged just under three three make makes uh, from three point land a game, and you know, the, sometimes the guys that play on the West Coast they don't get as much national visibility. Um, I, I think there are some arguments that he's a player that will provide more value in the next two to three years over Nico Mannion, and though they both came from, you know, the same conference. So um, that might be, I mean, we might have run through all the really, you know, maybe consensus top 45 uh, ball handlers and we're, you know, only at pick 40. Um, if you guys don't mind, I think I'll, I, I'm up. I'm ready for the uh, number 41st pick to the Spurs. Um, I'm going to select Vernon Carey, freshman center out of Duke. Uh, he's young for a freshman. He's a big body. And this Spurs team is really kind of in, a, in rough shape, I think, at the center position. Jakob, Jakob Pertle is uh, going to be a free agent. And behind them, you just got guys like Trey Lyles and Shemezi Too and Tyler Zeller signed a, you know, a quarantine deal with them. And even on their two-way contracts, they have Drew Eubanks. So I don't think any of those last four names got anybody excited. Um, he may not be the ideal center. His game might be outdated. But if there's any team in the NBA that's probably a little bit okay integrating an outdated post game, I think it's the Spurs. And they, but they still might find ways to pull a little bit more out of him. I like that pick as well. I think the Spurs just like always go against the grain. Um, a player like him who, yeah, like five, ten years ago is a first-rounder, I, I think the Spurs see that and they think that they can find a way to make him have that value again. Like just being in Pop's system and they can take – I mean like um, he's not a bad backup to Pirtle. Like what Pirtle does is not modern. You know what I mean? So I think it definitely uh, is a good pick. Yeah, and I can select uh, for pick 42 here for the New Orleans Pelicans. Again, a team that I think is able to take a risk on some upside. Um, I am going to take Jemias Ramsey here from Texas Tech. Um, There's a lot of questions with him, but I think that his three-point shot does look nice off the dribble. Um, he does a decent job of creating space for himself, even if there is some uh, first-step questions there. Um, but he has, you know, he's a very athletic player that I think has a good amount of upside, and maybe he can't make it work in the league with struggling and ironing out some of these issues that he has. But I think uh, an upside player is definitely one that the Pelicans could be looking at here, and that's why I'm going with Jemias Ramsey. Yeah, Ramsey's probably one of my own uh, do-not-draft players, but I do think that this Pelican roster has been okay with kind of some smaller smaller guards, whether that's Frank Jackson or, or, or you know, Etwan Moore. Um, you know, he's kind of known for his shot-making, uh, although that free throw percentage is a red flag. He's got some strong defensive indicators, but some have said that the eye test is uh, is not as strong in, his, in that regard for him, but... You know, at this spot, with the kind of defenders he has around him, I, I think 
the Pelicans are a team that can take someone that is maybe considered undersized at his position. Can someone explain the the big questions with him? Um, I'm not sure that I fully understand the the Ramsey hate, but I know there are a lot of Ramsey haters. Um, you know, is there like concern that this guy just is is basically you know out of the league quickly? Some of the numbers I have on you know is a below average two point percentage, uh, a b- below average at rim percentage, and a below average free throw percentage. In spite of actually a really strong three point percentage, um, and considering he only played one year, I think there's some some thought that it's a small sample. Again, that argument goes in the other direction, and that to say that those other indicators that are negative maybe don't mean as much. Uh, he also had a poor uh, poor free throw rate, uh, so he didn't really draw as much, you know, fouls. Um, not a great rebounder. Um, that said, he he is kind of a guy that gambles and and had uh, about two uh, steals, combined steals and blocks per game. So. I think he's just kind of a weirdo player, and and I think there is a there is a little fear about these undersized two guards that um, I don't know that bring to mind like Malik Monk. We all many people thought Malik Monk was going to be this really great NBA player, and he just fizzled. Got it. Are you ready to make the next Sacramento Kings pick for us here? Yeah, I'm a little shocked. My guy is here. Um, so with a 43rd pick following Tyrese Halliburton and Malachi Flynn, the Kings will pick one other player that is probably sure to be rostered, and that is Killian Tilly. A man, he's your big man via France and Gonzaga. I think he's got elite, elite perimeter shooting. I think there's a little bit of Nemanja Bielitsa to his game with maybe a little bit more coordination. Uh, I don't think there's another big man in this draft that can offer his shooting. Clearly, injuries are a concern, and so I think you're worried about that. And obviously, this team has had a lot of injuries uh, with their big men, and so so that's a concern. Uh, but I think the talent's there, and I think that many people would regard him as a first-round talent, if not for the amount of games he missed in college. I absolutely love this pick, and that's weird coming from me a uh, well-known Gonzaga hater. Um, I've had to watch Killian Tilly uh, crush my St. Mary's Gales for four years now, and I know as well as anybody that if this guy could have just stayed healthy any of the last three years, he would have been a first-round pick. Uh, He's an excellent shooting big man. He's a really smart, heady player on both ends of the court. Uh, He's an excellent switchable defender in college. I do worry a little bit that uh, he'll be more exposed in uh, the NBA on that end, but he's definitely a smart player, a a 40% three-point shooter this season. He didn't average below 40% from deep any of the last three years. Uh, Just this is uh, an excellent pick, one of my favorite picks for Sacramento. Yeah, Definitely a guy uh, I've heard of as well, and obviously a lot of the concerns with him just revolve around him staying on the floor, right? Yeah. yeah. So is he a good character guy as well? And, I mean, it's it's unfortunate. I mean, we don't have a season because it was going to be really interesting to see what they could do, Gonzaga could have done in the tournament. 
So how does it feel, Bryant, to be cheering for uh, a Gonzaga man? <laughs> it, it, there are a certain number of uh, Gonzaga players that I have uh, have decided I will become draft fans of. Uh, we all know how much I loved Brandon Clark last year. Uh, I, I have turned around on Killian Tilly over the last couple of years. He's won me over with his excellent uh, high, high IQ basketball. Um, he is one of my favorite second-round picks for Sacramento. Yeah, and uh, if we're ready for it, I think, Rich, you have pick 44 for the Portland Trailblazers. Yes, sir. So I talked about this uh, in the first round quite a bit, that I really wanted to find a forward for Portland because the poor guys can never, ever find a forward. And, you know, I it's tough because I don't think there are – a lot of options here. I I don't think that there's a ton of, uh, at this part of the board, I mean, like, you know, the guys that are 6'7", 6'7", 6'8", those guys just really are drying up as they become, as there's a premium on them in the league. Um, But I'm going to reach a little bit to grab one here for Portland, um, a guy with a very interesting and versatile skill set. He is 6'7". He does have a 7'2 wingspan, but he's um, kind of a guard at the same time. Uh, hopefully he'll become a 3 and D small forward type. They're just looking to, like, plug the holes that they have at the forward spots, uh, in my personal opinion. So, and a guy they could potentially stash. Nate, you can you can fill me in on the accuracy of that. But uh, it's uh, Abdoule Ndoye. Nice. What are your thoughts on him, Nate? Yeah, he is one of the more productive um, internationals in this draft. He played in the French League for Cholet. Um he is an auto-eligible player, meaning uh, you know his, his year came up, and so he didn't necessarily have to go out of his way and declare early. Um, I think he's played a little bit on the ball. He's definitely a long player. He's a good low-volume shooter. There is some concern that he it does not have a high level of athleticism, and oftentimes some of the players that do rise in the French League, it's because that they are um, better athletically. Um, so I, uh, that's a surprising pick. I could see them stashing him, though. Um, but I do think he is a, is a very interesting player. Um, and he was, he was a favorite early for me for, for many different teams. Um, and kind of the kind of consensus has been slow to come around to him. But he has definitely been productive. Yeah, and... Uh... Moving on to my next pick here, I have the Orlando Magic at pick 45. And, you know, I did pick Kyra Lewis uh, at with my first pick for Orlando. I believe that was pick 15. Um, but with a good chance of Evan Fournier being gone if he does turn down that option, uh, which I guess is a little up in the air with all the financial situations going on with the NBA. But I think they need a shooting guard um, alongside Kyra Lewis I think they really need some shooting. And a guy that proved that he can shoot uh, at, at a good rate 
at Kentucky is Emmanuel Quickly. And I think that uh, it's a guy that, if I'm remembering correctly, Nate and Bryant aren't the highest on. But, you know, uh, the fact that you're getting 42% from three on, you know, a good amount of attempts, almost five a game, and backed up with a 92% from the free throw line, um, even shooting off screens a bit there as well. He is a bit undersized, but a 6'10 wingspan maybe makes him a, a decent defender. And I think that, yeah, since I'm really looking for some shooting for Orlando with the potential of Fournier being gone, I'm going with uh, quickly here at 45. I don't think this is a, a crazy reach. Um, I, I This is about where he is on my board. Uh, he's definitely a high-volume shooter. He's much, very much a shooting guard in a point guard's body. Um, so I think pairing him along with Kyra Lewis is is a fine decision, especially since uh, even if quickly is a little smaller than optimal to guard um, whatever guard he's assigned to, that's definitely a defensive team that can insulate that. And they could always use more shooting. And, uh, you know, 42% uh, from three on uh, five attempts per game is a pretty good number, even if the rest of his game uh, isn't, isn't that efficient, aside from free throws. Dude knocked down uh, 92% of his free throws uh, on the season. So um, I'm not sure he's the most efficient player outside of that, but uh, I think this is a fine pick. I, I'm, I would be a little surprised, um, but at least at least there's the wingspan component. And or- Orlando loves wingspan. They love guys who are long. Um, I, I could see them go with Elijah Hughes. Um, even, even I, there's a part of me, um, now that their timeline might be in rough shape with the injury to, uh, oh God, they're, uh, I'm, I'm forgetting forwards on the Magics. This is a recurring thing. Jonathan Isaac, um, with his injury, it really hurts their timeline. And so I wouldn't be surprised if they even look for Jay Scrub out of community college or Josh Hall out of prep school as just kind of another home run swing. Um, but you know, if they're looking for a team that can really run with their with their bench unit, Kyra and, and quickly would uh, I think they could do that. Yeah, and I got back to back selections here for Boston at forty six. I'm going with a uh, guy that just is a ridiculously large human, a seven footer with a seven seven wingspan, two hundred and seventy pounds. I am taking Udoka Azubuki. Um, I think that, you know, he's a decent finisher and rim protector. Uh, he moved a little bit better this year. And really, I, I know I picked Precious for Boston in the first round as well. But to me, this is a guy that his specialty is Joel Embiid's trying to post you up. You need a big body. Um, you can try Azubuki a little bit. Like when I saw this guy, I just felt like someone that is matching up with Joel Embiid is where Azubuki needs to be. And that's why I'm going with him at Boston for 46. I think uh, Azubuki has really, really helped himself this year. Uh, that's not a new theme. Um, I definitely didn't think he was a uh, an NBA caliber player last year. He's a big, big dude and an excellent rebounder, um, but he just was never anything special on the defensive end. And if you're not going to be a shooter, you got to be at least a okay defender. Uh, and he became a fantastic uh, rim protector this year. Uh, Kansas was a lot of fun to watch just because they could toss it into a, a 7-1 dude. It was so much bigger than anybody they ever played. 
which is kind of fun to watch at the collegiate level. And uh, you could definitely tell that he worked on um, on trimming himself up a little bit and uh, became much, much better at timing uh, on blocks. So I think this is a fine pick, and I wouldn't have said that a year ago. He's also young for a, a senior. He's, he's only going to be a little older than 21 on draft night. And, uh, you know, there, there is, again, a narrative out there that backup centers are easy to find. But I, I do think that once the season starts, you know, and, and players have signed overseas, it actually is really hard to find quality centers when you're in the Eastern Conference and you have to go against Embiid and Giannis. Just having a guy that can give you a couple minutes and, and alter a few shots here and there uh, is good. And, and he's he is bigger than the other Boston um, big men. So gives you something different. And if not, you know, he, he still was still was one of the best defenders, uh, front court defenders in college basketball this year. All right, so I'm up next with 47 to the Chicago Bulls. Um, I mentioned in the first round that I wanted to get them a point guard. I decided to go with Devin Vassell instead of a couple options there. I want to get them a point guard now. Um, I want to take a swing on a guy. Obviously, it's not going to be a home run swing. We're getting, you know, we're on pick 47 at this point, but just a guy that could potentially make the roster and potentially make the rotation just considering they don't have much at point guard. They got Sadoransky, and it sounds like Dunn could be on his way out. I like Shaq Harrison, but he doesn't seem like he's necessarily stuck with that team. They seem to go through a lot of backup point guards. Um, So I'm going to choose the one that I'm surprised is still on the board. And quite honestly, <clears throat> Excuse me. Quite honestly, I may he may not be. I mean, uh, he's so high <laughs> up my board that maybe I missed this pick, um, or maybe he is not going into the draft or something. So please correct me if I'm wrong about this. But um, I'm going to grab Cassius Winston from Michigan State. To my knowledge, he is in the draft, and uh, he was the highest ranked players on my board are still available so I think this is a great pick same for me yeah he's a, a, a definitely a leader of uh, an excellent team did it for three years um, one of those types of dudes who uh, Michigan State just produces you know gritty tough solid defenders uh, doesn't truly have a weakness although I don't uh, know that he's ever going to be a a high volume uh, uh, score at the next level um, at 43% um, three this year uh, might indicate otherwise. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if he falls this far because I definitely think he's one of those types of dudes that uh, just chatting with teams is going to impress uh, a lot of teams. So I wouldn't be surprised if he goes much higher than this in the real draft. And I think you're right, Rich. It's like Dunn and Harrison are basically linebackers, you know, who are playing basketball. And I, I do think they also have Ryan Arpadiakono on their squad. So that shows that they're not at least too averse to having a smaller point guard who gives you everything else. And that team definitely needs a little bit of everything. Yeah, they do seem comfortable just bringing in, like, anyone that can 
give you replacement level play at the point. And I, you know, I mean, he's he's pretty ready as far as he's like one of the oldest players in this draft. He's coming in like Devontae Graham age, so I think that could work out pretty well for them. Um, and I'm also next up with the Golden State Warriors at pick 48. Um, <clears throat> I've got a guy here that I'll be honest, I'm not super excited about, just generally speaking, but I think the Warriors need help on the wing, and even though he's he's not a great shooter, he is a four-year player who just scored a ton of points for Syracuse, and he's been in a big role as a leader for a pretty you know, a pretty big program. And I think he's the kind of guy where um, it, it's it's not the greatest comparison, but like Jacob Jacob Evans kind of came in and played the wing and kind of flamed out and, and they moved on from him. This could be their next project in that department. I'm going to go with Elijah Hughes. Yeah, he's definitely a guy I noticed that was gone most of the time uh, by the picks that we're at here with, this one was 48 for Golden State. Um, what do you guys see in the potential of a guy that, you know, stayed at college for a little while longer, obviously? Um, what do you see, Bryant and Elijah Hughes? Well, I am, am well documented in really disliking watching Syracuse. So I'm going to admit I've only seen a couple of their games this year. It's so hard just to take it what anything from film on Syracuse types of dudes because he, Elijah Hughes, just like any other kind of wing who's gone through that system, played both heavy in isolation type of ball and uh, just played in the zone defense. So it's really impossible to have a great grasp on what he can be on either side of the court. Um, he did sink nearly uh, over 34% of his threes this year on nearly seven attempts per game. So I think that tells you all you need to know about what type of player he was at college. Um, but the Warriors do have a well-documented uh, shooting program. So if they feel like they need a spark plug off the bench and bring him in, uh, he could definitely be a solid pick around this range. Yeah, his, his general shooting lines, uh, none of, nothing was below average for me, um, and, but, and he was actually a very strong at-rim finisher, which – you know, it is nice to see that even though your offense is isolation heavy, you still have to actually be effective at it. At least he was he was good there. There's some defensive concerns, um, but at least he's tall for his position, and, and uh, I think he could be a steal um, at this point in the draft. Yeah, if All right. you're ready for it here, Brian. Yeah, 49, Philadelphia. I am. Well, Philadelphia has so many second-round picks, and they already have a really stacked roster. So if I knew more about the uh, the stashable uh, overseas players at this point, I might take one of them. But I don't know enough to give an educated opinion on any of them, so I won't pretend. Uh, so I'm just going to take the best collegiate uh, wing on my board. I think Philadelphia could always use more shooters, as I've mentioned, I had a ton over this conversation. So with the 49th pick, the Philadelphia Sixers will select Skylar Mays from LSU. He's a senior, uh, 22 years old, uh, averaged uh, 16 points a game, nearly 40% from deep, 
on decent uh, um, decent uh, volume. Uh, heady player, averaged uh, nearly three over three assists per game. Uh, solid on both ends. Definitely one of those kind of guys that could go higher than this if a team is looking for an all-around okay shooting guard. Yeah, it's interesting. Bassini actually had uh, Skyler going to the Sixers at pick 36 and just raved about how he loved the fit there alongside uh, some other playmakers like Simmons. Um, how do you feel about Skyler Mays, Brent? Or, I'm sorry, Nate? He's pre-med, so we know he's smart. Um, he's a really good shooter in many respects from true shooting uh, on effective field goal. He's just a really good shooter. He remind, There's a kind of guard... And I'm stepping all over myself. That they're kind of big. They can kind of play either spot. They're not that traditional small combo guard, but your Baines, your Skylar Mays, the Sam Merrill, that I think can that there's actually now room for. And if if even if he doesn't have kind of a high ceiling, I think a quality you're gonna get a quality player out of him. Well, I'm just gonna take that and lead into my next pick because you actually mentioned the guy I will uh, take for the Pacers. Um, I think Indiana could definitely use some help in at the wing. Um, they've got a really solid roster, but just looking at their depth chart, I think uh, they, along with pretty much every team in the league, could always use more shooters. Um, with the 50th pick, the Pacers will select Sam Merrill from uh, Utah State. Um, he was one of the few guys who could actually go through conference play uh, this year and um, was just – excellent in the conference tournament, um, averaged nearly 20 points a game this season, uh, nearly four assists. So he was a really high-usage player, but uh, was effective on both ends, incredibly low turnover rate, and uh, averaged 41% from three on uh, nearly seven attempts per game. So we know he can shoot at a really high volume. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up one of those surprise guys uh, early in the uh, second round uh, because we know what he can be. He's going to be a really solid shooter at the next level who doesn't really make mistakes on offense. Um, I'm not quite so sure on his defense, but uh, Utah State is, a, is an okay defensive team, so uh, that that isn't a massive concern, especially in this range. Yeah, I think he's like he's basically older Desmond Bain. He's just two years older. They both have kind of similar measurements, and they're both surprisingly good creators in addition to their excellent long-range shooting. Yeah, I think I have a type in this in this draft. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, for pick 51 here for OKC, you know, I really liked the idea of, obviously I looked at really athletic wings here. I think upside is kind of what OKC can go for um, since they have all these draft picks they're working with in the future, and they're kind of really early along in a um, non-conventional rebuild. Um, I liked Chris Smith from UCLA, uh, 6'9", athletic wing, um, with some questionable um, decision-making at times, but I thought that was a guy they could look at, but he went back to school. Um, I'm going with a stash guy here, actually, with a lot of upside, a 19-year-old that is starting in the Israeli Israeli league right now, I'm going. I'm probably pronouncing this wrong. Yam Madar, um, who you know has some nice athleticism to him as well. So definitely uh, fits OKC from that point of view. And you know a guy that 
they can let develop. Uh, they only have so many minutes, obviously, available on their roster and a lot of picks up coming. I think a overseas guy works really well for them. And, uh, you know, potentially maybe a guy that can be a backup point guard for them at some point. That's a good pick. I think he, he is a player who started the year probably not in most people's top 100s and has slowly risen up to, you know, maybe at least in the in the 70s. As, and he offers different styles of play, whether he's playing in the Israeli league or the national team. He's He's got stat lines that look like kind of just a, a caretaking point guard, really racks up the assists. And then you'll have other stat lines where he's he's kind of more of an on-the-ball scorer. And um, and I think, like you said, OKC, they, they have all of these picks, and they need to really find a good way to maximize all the value without kind of kind of wasting it and rostering guys who have probably no ability to gain any minutes. I'm excited about Yem Madar because it means that we've officially reached the part of the draft where players I have not heard of are being taken. Uh, but uh, so not a great vote of confidence for my understanding of the late second round here, but at least I, I've only got a couple of picks left, and I know who I'm aiming at, but who are you aiming at here with Atlanta's pick at 52, Nate? So right now, if I'm the Hawks, I'm trying to trade this pick. A couple of guys I wanted are off the board, almost in a very solid order. I was hoping... Winston might fall, and then I was hoping Merrill was available, and then Madar. And so I think they're in a tough spot. I do think that they need a backup point guard or someone at least that gives them really good defense at the position. So if they kept the pick, I think with the number 52 pick, the Hawks would go with Tyshawn Alexander, a um, kind of a small guard defender out of Creighton. He offers He's basically not what you'd call a 3-and-D wing, but he's more of a 3-and-D guard. Um, he's a little bit similar to a former Creighton player in Kyrie Thomas, who, whose career has not yet really gotten off the ground in Detroit. Uh, he's kind of a late, late um, kind of draft waiter riser. Um, I'm not sure he's going to be a great creator off the bench for them, but I do think that they do need defensive um, gambles. Um, to kind of just help, you know, shore up that side of the ball. Yeah, this is a guy that I've definitely heard a couple people have some draft crushes on and have them high on uh, some of their personal boards. My understanding, you know, works pretty well off ball and a decent shooter. Uh, what do you think people that are higher on Tyshawn are, are really seeing and, you know, maybe the upside of him? Or what do you think uh, people that like him a little bit more are really seeing in him, Nate? I think it comes probably from the film because when I look at the stats, the defensive the defense doesn't necessarily jump off the page. Um, the three point shooting clearly does. Um, you know, you know Creighton's strength of schedule is actually surprisingly good. So there's some good indicators there. I think he's had some some nice big games against um, better touted players and. You know, he, he does take care of the ball. So he will not necessarily be considered a, a strong creator. Um, at least he doesn't make too many mistakes. Yeah, uh, I, I like the pick there. And if you have Sacramento's final pick of the draft here, number 53. Ooh. Yeah, this is a, this is a tough one. Um, 
Uh, and I'm definitely kind of going back and forth. I, I don't think that there's an obvious um, draft and stash candidate, but I'll go with a guy who I liked for just ridiculous reasons going into the year, and that is Rokas Ejokabaitis, guard out of Lithuania, playing in with Zalgiris. I think he's kind of he's a he's kind of a mini bogey. And uh, I think he's got the ability to excel at both guard spots. Um, he's He really excelled in international play. Uh, I'm trying to pull up and look at this again. But I think it was at the, um, the under-19 World Champions. He just, he just offered a lot of a mix you know, from scoring and creation and, and actually even was pretty good at stealing the ball. Um, I, think, I think there's just some concern that maybe he's just a – a backup ball handler, and you, know, you might not want to value that so much at this point in the draft. But, you know, he is getting minutes in uh, one of the better leagues, and he's a guy I would gamble on. Well, I, I wouldn't mind uh, the Kings taking him just to hear uh, Doug Christie have to <laughs> say that name five times fast. Yeah, can't say I have any input on uh, on focus here. What about yourself? Right? <laughs> yeah, neither, neither can I. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not gonna break it down. Does this That's seem like a guy? Fit. Is there anybody else you guys think I should have went with? Probably Yeah, let me ask you. Like, so there's there's international guys that sometimes it seems like with you know a pick in the fifties, especially, it seems like. Vlade and the Kings can sometimes do some favors for international agents and improve those relationships. Would this be a situation like that, or is there anyone that you could see being a situation like that? I'm not so sure how much of a Lithuanian connection he has. And, you know, as I'm looking down my board again, uh, there's a Montenegrin player, Marko Simonovic, who plays for uh, Mega Bamax. Uh, I think that's the squad that uh, Philip Petrusev. Um, signed with. And so actually Marco and Philip are the two guys I think that, you know, if, if the Kings are going for a big man that might not be productive anytime soon, those might be someone they considered. But I have a hard time thinking that they would both want to, um, you know, bring in Tilly, maybe resign Len, and then also bring over another big man that they're going to struggle to develop, at least at the NBA level. So. My only thought for Sacramento is it's a shame that uh, through these three picks we haven't given them any kind of wing since we know Sacramento is, for some reason, very adverse to drafting small forwards. Yeah. Um, but I'm not sure that uh, and the highest small forward on my board is Jordan Wara, and uh, I'm not incredibly high on him, so I can't even say that that would be a bad pick. So yeah, yeah, one it's uh, kind of interesting. Yeah, one other name I had is is, is Isaiah Mike. Um, he played at SMU um, and actually just signed uh, with a team in the German league. Um, he's got three and D potential. There was a little bit of a buzz about him, um, but he was actually old, pretty old for for a junior. He's going to be twenty three around draft night. Um, so yeah, it, it's hard. It's, it was really hard every time the Kings were off to see kind of a, a wing defender that kind of matched the value. I was going to bring up Nora just because he's the only guy that I know or that I think will be drafted for sure and is also like 6'7". I mean, that I, I honestly don't know much more about him than that. 
Um, but that's like enough to to sell me, honestly, as a as a Kings fan that hasn't seen many six seven guys on the team. Um, he did have like, you know, he I mean he's shooting forty percent from three on six attempts a game, so that's that that would be exciting for me a little bit. And then of course I'll also just mention there's another Luca in this draft, so maybe the Kings get their Luca and Luca Garza. Just throwing that one out there as well. He he just went back to school, so they wouldn't even have the chance to do that. Oh geez, okay. <laughs> I knew I would do that at some point. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it, it was bound to happen. I mean, we are recording a day after everybody had to announce. So, support for the King's Pulse podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who's the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over the technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Listen, we all have a time where we have hurt ourselves or at least been terrified to hurt ourselves. I know I do. Trimming below the waist. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team has spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawn Mower 3.0. This is a premium tool with a battery that lasts up to 90 minutes, works in the shower so you can take care of your business in there if you prefer that. Also has an extremely cool LED light attached to it that illuminates the grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. If you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim that chunk of yours. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code KINGSPULSE at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code KINGSPULSE. No space. KINGSPULSE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code KINGSPULSE with no space. All right, so for Golden State here at 54, uh, there's some guys that I would like to pick that just went back to school. But, um, yeah, I mean, we just talked about Nora, and I can see them liking just a 6'7 dude. But I also kind of see them as just needing more guards on the roster. They just don't have – I mean, Kai Bowman played like a very real role for this team. This season and, uh, you know, like the Quinn Cooks of the world, they've been living off two-way, like, backup depth guards for a while. Um, so I'm going to grab a guy that, geez, and he may, if I miss the boat on him also going back to school, that will be tough. But uh, a guy that's just, um, I think, a, a gritty defender and a guy that, like, you know, at, at this point in the draft, 54, you've got to earn your way onto a roster and, this is a guy that might have a chance to do it with his defense. Uh, I'll go with Ashton Hagens out of Kentucky. Yeah, I think that's a solid picker. He's definitely a, uh, a heady defender, um, and uh, he'd be a, a solid uh, energy defensive guy off the bench for Colton State. I think shooting's a concern. All I see is red when I'm looking at his shooting line, but um... – Strong defender, and then you know if they're if they're looking to develop a a nice backup guard, 
at least it's a good gamble. Yeah, I think I my hope. Uh, sorry, I'm just gonna jump in. I, I think my hope with with the uh, Kentucky guards is they none of them can shoot when they're there, and hopefully they can <laughs> shoot when they leave. That's definitely true. There's something about uh, Lexington that guys just go in and, and forget how to shoot for a year. Yeah, and for pick 55 here, Bryant, are you ready to make the selection for Brooklyn Nets? Yeah, I am. Um, at this point in the draft, I think you just take talent and not worry about fit, but I definitely think the guy I'm going to select for the Nets could be a very solid backup to uh, Kyrie Irving. So with the 55th pick, the Brooklyn Nets will select Marcus Howard, a guard from Marquette. He's definitely a a shooting guard in a point guard's body, but uh, when it comes to shooting, boy, averaged uh, nearly 28 points a game this season for Marquette, um, 41.2% from deep on nearly 10 attempts per game. Uh, And for a guy who's only 5'11", just an incredible free throw uh, rate. Um, He got uh, nearly 8.6 attempts per game, which is just insane for a guy his size. Uh, His turnover ratio is higher than his assist numbers, uh, so that's a little concerning. But, you know, guys who can turn into these microwave point cards will always have a role in the NBA. And uh, as long as he uh, can start working a little bit more on defense and accept a secondary role as a bench creator, I definitely think he'd be a solid pick here for Brooklyn. Yeah, that free throw rate was it definitely stood out to me uh, for his size and the fact that I don't think he really dealt with too much injuries even this year, um, despite, you know, getting beaten around. Uh, I know he's one of your favorites, and I'll just say that he's also actually young for a senior. So there might be some room to improve, and I think as the as the league has opened up and there's some other templates um, in, you know, maybe a J.J. Barea or a Yogi Ferrell, I think Howard could, could possibly have their level of production in spot minutes. Yeah, I think he might be a sneaky kind of pick for Zach with their uh, last um, second rounder if they go, you know, big or wing with those earlier picks. Because um, I definitely think the Kings could use somebody to back up Fox who has just no conscience when it comes to uh, shooting the ball. Um, so I, he's kind of my sneaky favorite uh, last pick for Sacramento, but happy to get him here for Brooklyn. I like Howard as a as a theory of that player type, like working at 55. Um, uh, you mentioned in the chat you're worried that I was going to steal him for Golden State, and that might have been. The better pick, just simply because you know, there's if you if you can score, like that's that's a a really big deal. That can you know get you out of the G League or whatever the situation might be, and get you a look, especially with um, a team that just needs you know anyone at all that can put the ball in the basket. Um, New York, uh, excuse me, uh, Brooklyn just doesn't. They're not a deep team. They're just they've they've spent so much money on their big guys now that I could definitely see him popping there. Um, I am up with the uh, excuse me the Charlotte Hornets at 56. I identified that I wanted to get a forward with this pick here for Charlotte. I didn't think it would happen. I like I really thought every forward 
entirely that I had any knowledge of or cared about in any way would be gone by 56. But we've talked about him, uh, so I won't, you know, go on too long about Jordan War. But uh, that's definitely the pick here for me. I, I think just getting a guy that um, can play behind, you know, Bridges or P.J. Washington um, obviously can can shoot the ball. So six seven and a shooter, uh, I'll definitely, definitely, definitely take that at 56. I think that's a fine pick here. Um, his shooting numbers are uh, all solid across the board. Uh, also a uh, a very solid rebounder for his uh, size. Um, and, you know, six, eight guys who can shoot 40% from deep at a uh, high major uh, don't just grow on trees. So solid selection. Yeah, and Charlotte is, is most recently always valued kind of blue blood school production. Yeah, and they've got, well, they've got uh, someone from UNC. They've got someone from Washington and, and Louisville. That's not bad. Those are, those are programs that I feel like they would be looking at. Well, I think I'm on the board with the Clippers at the uh, 57th pick. I'm going to have them picking a guy that uh, I sort of constantly think thought Rich was going to pick for teams in need of a big defender. And that's uh, Najee Marshall out of Xavier. Uh, the junior, he pretty much has an all-around game except for shooting. And so if you think that you can develop him as a shooter in addition to his, his the rest of his strengths, I think that's a good fit. The Clippers in the last draft, they uh, prioritized tough players when they picked um, Trey Mann and um, Kevin Gale. Um So I think I think it's a gamble. Um, I don't know if, if you guys know too much else about his game, but the last thing I'd say is he's also uh, actually a pretty strong at-rim finisher. Yeah, I don't know anything about his game, but I'll ask you at this point, are you just kind of looking at the, the best player available on your board, or are you still kind of taking fit somewhat into account here? What's sort of your philosophy when we're really getting down towards the end of the draft here? Well, the Clippers only have one pick, and I, like I said, that that last draft, they really value tough guys, and, and the rest of our roster is, is, is generally guys who are strong defenders who are pretty tough with, with a couple exceptions. So, you know, it's, he's probably a guy who would only be on a two-way with them. Um, you know, there are some other... Interesting players, you know, maybe a Reggie Perry, maybe a Caleb Wesson. Uh, just kind of a gamble that they could probably get a little bit of production out of them if they needed to. I, I know the rookies um, didn't play much for the Clippers this year, but that's what I'm looking at. Um, now, with the next pick, uh, the Toronto Raptors at 58, I have them picking a player who I really like. Um not just because he shares my own name, but that's Nate Hinton, a wing defender out of Houston. He's like a really nutty player. He's he's very a very, very strong rebounder um, for a guard. He's listed at 6'6", six, six, like 200, but, you know, he might be a little bit smaller. I'm not saying he's a P.J. Tucker type for sure, but I think that's the kind of thing you might be able to get out of him, and, and he is well regarded on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and we know Toronto. Um, is still just an incredible defensive team, even without uh, Kawhi this year. 
Yeah, I, I'm just going to be straight up with you guys. I'm probably tapping out <laughs> in, ter- in terms of analysis. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm lucky I lived through my last pick of the draft, which is 56, and I actually feel good like I got someone that I've, uh, I've heard of a little bit. Nate Hinton, I don't know, like the first name. So uh, other than that, um, <laughs> unless you've got some comments on it, Bryant, you can make uh, pick 59 for Philly. Um, I definitely only watched a couple Houston games this year, so uh, I'm just going to trust Nate on that analysis. Um, but for Philly, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a homer pick here. I'm gonna take a guy I've watched for four years. Um, I know that I already took Nico Mannion uh, for Philadelphia earlier, and they don't really need another kind of uh, undersized uh, uh, shooting point guard. Um, but I'm gonna take Jordan Ford uh, from St. Mary's here. Um, Ford certainly has the case to get drafted. Um, he's more of a uh, shooting guard in the point guard's body. St. Mary's definitely had a lot of ball handlers, so he didn't need to be the primary distributor. Um, but the dude is just a lights-out shooter. Um, averaged uh, 41% from three this season, nearly 22 points a game. Uh, solid enough assist-to-turnover ratio, although, like I said, a low assist total overall. And uh, an all right ball hawk for his size, but he is definitely undersized, 6'1", probably 180 pounds at most. Uh, So he needs to go to a team that doesn't mind having uh, backup uh, defenders who can help uh, insulate him a little bit. And uh, since they took Xavier Tillman to help the Sixers off the bench defensively earlier, I definitely am okay giving them another uh, low defensive uh, player. Yeah, and, you know, I'll uh, just rattle off the 60th pick here I have for the New Orleans Pelicans. I definitely thought that this was a spot that they could go with an overseas guy, uh, someone to draft and stash, considering they already had three picks in this draft, being Sadiq Bey, Daniel Oturu, and Jemias Ramsey. Um, and, yeah, when I look through the draft guys here, there's a nice 6'8 forward, uh, Paul Eboya is how I'm going to go with saying that last name. Um and, yeah, I won't pretend like I know all too much, but an intriguing wing 6'8 with a 7'3 wingspan and some good defensive upside to him. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that New Orleans is in a spot where they definitely use – I mean, they need wings, first of all. And, yeah, 60th pick, uh, I guess, swing for some upside here, and you don't have too much spot on your roster. So that's why I went with an overseas guys here to uh, top off the draft. Well, we did it, guys. We we made it through. Um, I, I know it was a bit more of a slog for myself and Brendan than uh, uh, than for you, Nate, and you, Bryant, who uh, are actually draft guys that dig into this stuff uh, pretty much year-round. But, yeah, let's just, uh, you know, a couple final takeaways here as we're wrapping up. Nate, you mentioned um, you had some, some – uh, you had some comments on how you thought the second round might go, um, and that's obviously still up in the air, but in terms of the general form of how it all fell out, were you surprised? Were, there, were things kind of go to chalk, or, or what are some observations from you? So if I'm taking a quick scan of kind of how I rank players and, and the consensus rank, I would say the lowest ranked player is, uh, is Jordan Ford, but he's the 59th pick. You know, so that's definitely <laughs> not a reach. And he is also not just a St. Mary's guy. He's uh, from, I think, Folsom High. 
So he's a player I thought the Kings might want to try to get in as an undrafted uh, free agent um, if they don't kind of stack uh, up the guards. Um, That'd be fine with me. Yeah, I mean, after that, as a house-ranked player that went undrafted was Mason Jones, followed by Reggie Perry, Jalen Harris, Caleb Wesson, and Jay Scrub. So I, I think I wouldn't say chalk, but it went pretty close to it. Um, I do think that there there are still some internationals that teams might just say, you know, whatever, let's just draft them if they stay in the draft. And even the guy I went with, the Kings, it's not for sure um, you know, he, he'll stay in. And in that case, you know, I could see, again, the Kings maybe going with Marko Simonovic or Yorgos Kalatzikis, um, who is a, a 6-6 wing out of Greece, kind of known for slash scoring. Um, I think in undrafted free agency, I don't know if you guys have any names that you think are really interesting, but um, for me, there's a couple wings um, who are both a little bit older and both did not play in the biggest conferences that I'd be interested to see the Kings bring in, and that's that's Trev Queen out of New Mexico State. Uh, he was kind of a, a defensive stat darling in his junior year, and then he turned into more of a more of a scorer for their team this year. But he still had pretty fair defensive numbers. And then an older player, and that's Trace Tinkle. He's a he's probably one of the oldest players in the draft. He'll be 24. Um, he played at Oregon State, kind of all around game. He's probably is what he is, but he might be a player who does give you a little bit of defense and shooting and and you actually kind of get some immediate rewards if you bring him in. Um, there's another guy I'll just throw out there that has started to generate some late buzz because people did not think that he was going to stay in the draft, and that's Nate Darling. He's a, He played at Delaware this year. Um, he's a Canadian, really well-regarded shooter, maybe kind of a Corey Kispert, but in a you know, worse conference. Ryan, how did you think that uh, this one played out relative to expectation? Uh, any big surprises for you? I definitely think that uh, when the real draft comes around, like Nate talked about earlier, I'm sure that there will be a lot more guys um, who are stash kind of guys, but we can't talk about those guys in quite as much detail just because we're not all experts. I know Nate is to a certain degree. Um, so I definitely think that would be the main change. Um wouldn't surprise me if Kenyon Martin Jr. gets selected in the draft just based on his pedigree and his name. Um, but I haven't watched a second of his, uh, of his high school tape, so I can't really talk about him. Um, my favorite guy who didn't get drafted, and he's probably a lot lower on team boards, is San Diego State's uh, Matt Mitchell. He is a really fun athletic player who had a solid uh, shooting percentage this season for the Aztecs. Um, a lot of fun to watch with um, um, uh, Flynn. So uh, I think he might be a secret kind of summer league breakout darling. But uh, otherwise, no, this pretty went pretty much went according to my big board. So no big surprises for me. What about you, Brendan? Any steals for your your picks or um, anyone that uh, you expected to go much higher, or much lower? Um, I think I, I was pretty happy with uh, how I came out with Boston in round one, but for round two, like I, I was surprised that I mean Tillman was still on the board. Uh, he did go pretty quickly in round two at 36, and then the other guy I think that you ended up snagging, Rich uh, Cassius Winston, falling pretty far was surprising to me. I think that 
you know, it could be an interesting draft where maybe uh, guys that more than likely are going to be contributors in some form uh, at the NBA could be pretty valuable. So I was surprised to see him fall. And, uh, you know, aside from that, I got some uh, I got some names that I got to dive into a little bit more at the end here. Um, and I think that Sacramento made made off pretty well in this draft. Uh, recapping the four picks, they got Tyrese Halliburton, Malachi Flynn, Killian Tilly, and we're gonna go with Roku's uh, Joku. We didn't get Poku, but we got Joku. Now, how do you uh, how do you pronounce that name, Brian? Can you do that one more time. Joku Vitus. All right. So. so we're gonna go with. But I think you did a pretty good job uh, picking for Sacramento here. I'd be really happy with this haul. How would you feel if uh, Sacramento came out with these four, Rich? Well, I don't. I don't know exactly how I'd feel. Um, I, I I'll just say this though. You know, I I think that this mock draft perfectly predicted something. We nailed something. There's a fact that you can walk out of this mock draft with, and it's that the Sacramento Kings will draft someone you have not heard of, nor can you pronounce their name. I love this draft for Sacramento, but, yes, you're absolutely right. It's a contractual obligation with the league that the Kings always have to pick somebody that the fan base has never heard of. Yeah, if there's any way that Denny or Pat Williams are available, I think that's that's probably a, the the better outcome. But I would be happy with this return. Yeah, and then maybe we'll get a little bit of your draft opinions on a couple guys uh, after that, Nate. Since we're talking uh, picks at twelve for Sacramento, often what do you think between uh, Sadiq Bay and Aaron Neesmith? Because I'm with you, Patrick Williams. Denny available there, uh, Halliburton, you picked over those guys. But if a- after that, who are you kind of looking at for Sacramento? I do think that you're right in some ways about Bay. Um, he, I think, you know, his NBA career could be like a, a lower, lesser version of a Harrison Barnes, where you're not really sure if he's a three or four. He's professional. You like what he gives. Maybe you wish there was a little bit more out of him. I think when I was trying to figure out his kind of his archetype this season, I kept going back and forth whether I considered him a shooter or a defender. I don't think it's obvious that he's going to be a starter throughout his career. Um, I do think that that he was a late bloomer in high school. I think that's part of the, the story and how he kind of ended up at, his, at Villanova as a less touted prospect, and he's built, built himself into a potential lottery pick, and I think that's really interesting. As far as Neesmith goes, you know, Jerry Stackhouse was really considered a strong developmental coach before he went to Vanderbilt, and he's turned two guys into potential draft picks in, in a short time in Neesmith and Saban Lee, who we all passed on. Um, I would be concerned with that foot, but, you know, if, if, if they wanted to knock down shooter, that's great. Uh, it doesn't necessarily seem like a, a really good fit. Uh, and I will just say that the one guy I maybe didn't rail off among the list of names that I've really grown to be kind of intrigued by as a, you know, as a, just a potential surprise pick it is definitely, you know, Josh Green, um, just, just from the defense, even if you maybe don't think he's big enough. Um, you know, I think there's a possibility that, you know, that he would be under strong consideration as well. Yeah, you guys have really turned me around. I know the first time we did a podcast with the four of us, I was all aboard the Sadiq Bay uh, hype train, and I was kind of low on Patrick Williams. But 
uh, slowly, surely, as I watch more and more Florida State and definitely seeing Patrick Williams as a type of guy who I could really, really fall in love with, Sacramento taking at 12. He'd fit a lot of the needs, and I definitely think that uh, he'd be a much higher upside play than Sadiq Bey, who would be really safe comfortable, um, you know, he'd be that kind of guy who could slide in and help the Kings in a lot of ways, but um, I don't know that he'd be a guy who would be I'd be ecstatic if the Kings took a 12, so I'm definitely more in line with uh, the rest of you at this point on Patrick Williams. Yeah, final thoughts on Sacramento. I just think that there's more and more guys, like as I study the draft more. There's more guys that I'm comfortable with them taking. I actually tweeted like months ago, like four or five, almost six months ago, I, I tweeted that I was very worried about the Sacramento Kings getting a player of real impact uh, in the short term from this draft. And Nate, you disagreed with me. And I, and, and Brian, I think you did too. Um, and I just didn't buy just because of the, I guess, the reputation of this draft that it would happen. but And, and again, it, it might not because Sacramento can always make a pick that just makes zero sense. Um, but there are, you know, if you're if you're comfortable including Patrick Williams, which I am, you know, there, there are 13 guys that I would love to have in this draft. So, you know, uh, assuming the Kings make a logical pick, which is a massive assumption, uh, I, I'm, I'm very much excited and on board. Um, for this draft, and I also for the first round, and I also think there's enough quality. Like, um, you know, there's a this is a very weak draft up top, but I, I think there's decent quality in that late first, early second range. Where like if a guy like Malachi Flynn uh, falls, or um, you know, I think Balmoro could fall. I think you know whatever McDaniel's, Stewart, Tillman. Um, those type, yeah. So yeah, Riller, like I don't. You know, there, there are guys, like there are guys that could fall to thirty-five. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, you know, and if there's a guy that they're maybe eyeing that they don't think falls quite that far end of the first round, maybe they package some of these second rounders and can move up. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that it is gonna bring a decent player to the table at very least from twelve for Sacramento and. Yeah, I mean, the way that they worked out in our mock here, Malachi Flynn, Killian Tilly, two guys that I feel like um, would be decent contributors, Tilly, as long as he could stay healthy. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I just want to thank uh, Nate and Bryant for taking the time to do this with us, guys. I think this was a lot of fun, and uh, we're definitely going to have to do this again at some point in the future since we have so long until the actual draft happens. Yeah, it was a good time. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for having us on. Um, this is a lot of fun. It's really nice to have a Sacramento podcast that uh, doesn't mind getting into the nitty-gritty of the draft, and uh, we got plenty of time between now and October 16th. Yeah, we're going to do a 2.0 if, uh, if I can rope you guys into it and the timing is right. But, uh, yeah, thank you guys so much again. Please, everyone listening, go check out kingsherald.com. Check out the Patreon over there. We would really appreciate your support. Uh, and uh, uh, with that, I'll turn it over to Brendan to, to wrap it up. Yeah, and I will say check out Richie's great work going on at the SAC B. Uh, definitely great great articles you're putting out there all the time, man. And, yeah, everybody, good luck uh, keeping your eyes on the screen when Sacramento's playing the rest of these bubble games. Uh, 
some uninspiring basketball, but you know we're all going to go back and watch the film. And uh, that's going to do it for this episode of the King's Pulse Podcast. Thanks to everybody for listening, and you'll hear from us again in the next couple of days.